Well, this morning, as we kind of open the Word of God together, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Uh, if you want to follow along with us on the screen, you can do that. If you want to use our Liberty Church app, you can get all the scriptures and the sermon notes uh, from the Liberty Church app. So we'd love for you to follow along with us today. As I was praying, uh, as we're wrapping up our 21 days of prayer and fasting, I really asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what do, we, what do you want to say this Sunday? How do, we, how do we make this transition from what we've been doing, courage, conviction, and calling? And let me just encourage you. I believe those three words are intended for this entire year. I believe God is calling us to a place of courage, a place where we're going to live courageous lives. What I love about the movie we're going to see tonight is that movie exemplifies all three of those words. We're going to see the story, a true story about a man who, courageously followed the convictions of God to fulfill the calling of the Lord on his life and made a difference that changed the world. And so I believe those three things matter for each and every one of us, that we live with calling, that we live with courage, and that we live with conviction. And as I was praying this week about what's our next step, God, how do we transition uh, from these 21 days? I felt like the Lord, I heard the Lord say two words to me. He said, no condemnation. No condemnation. And when the Lord spoke those words to me, I immediately knew the scripture he was referring to. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. We're going to get there in just a minute where the Bible talks about that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And what I believe God wants to do today in our lives is that God wants to just remind us that we are well able. We are well able to live a courageous life. We are well able to live with conviction. We are well able to fulfill the call that God has on our lives. What God has invited us to be a part of, he has also empowered us to do. And as we talk today about understanding what does it mean that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. We're going to see, I believe, maybe some insightful things. Maybe you're going to see a revelation of something you've never seen before. And my prayer is that we're going to walk out of here today more equipped, more inspired, more encouraged that we are well able to do what God has called us to do. Can I get an amen from somebody? All right. So Romans chapter 5, the Bible says this, and the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the, from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. There's that word. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. Verse 17, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Verse 18, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation. There's that word again, brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness, what we celebrated this morning, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that one act of obedience is Jesus was willing to be obedient, the Bible says, unto death. That one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. And Romans 8 verse 1 says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So let's look at that first point. What is condemnation? In the biblical sense, in these scriptures, the word condemnation literally means a sentence of death. It is a sentence of death that has been pronounced upon an individual's life. And literally, the sentence of death, think about this. What is death? Death is separation 
from God. Death is separation from God. In the genesis of time, when Adam and Eve sinned, do you remember the story? They ate the forbidden fruit. Eve took it, and then she gave it to her husband, the Bible says. And God told them, in the moment that you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. And they ate, and they didn't physically die. At least not right then. But they spiritually died. There was a separation between God and man. And the Bible says that because of Adam's sin, all men have been condemned. We have all been sentenced to death. We've all been sentenced to separation from God. And let me just give you an understanding that the Bible teaches us. The Bible says that we are conceived in sin and we are born in sin. The realization is Scripture says in the book of Romans that there are none that are righteous, no, not one. That no one seeks the Lord. The realization is this this morning that every man, every woman, every boy, every girl that has ever been born since Adam and Eve has been born condemned in sin, condemned by being separated spiritually from their loving God, their holy creator that desires nothing more than to be in relationship and fellowship with them. And so in Adam, the Bible says we are all separated from God. But look what the Bible says. It says that in Jesus, come on somebody, that in Jesus there is no condemnation. In Jesus we are reconciled to the Father. That sentence of death, that sentence of separation from God has been abolished and destroyed through the finished work of Jesus Christ so that now, even though the Bible says we are still guilty of sin, we have been reconciled to God. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And so through Adam... We are all separated from God. But in Christ, through faith in Jesus and Jesus alone, we are reconciled to the Father. So think about it like this. So if there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, then there is no separation from the Father. If you've been born again, you've been born again into the family of God. If you've been born again, you've been born again into a new, vibrant, life-giving relationship with God where there is no longer condemnation and separation. Now there is union and communion and fellowship with the Father. Listen to how Paul describes that amazing gift that we've received. Romans 8, verse 31 through 39. He says, what shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. And who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore also is risen, who, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Verse 35, and who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Can I get an amen from somebody? And then look at verse 38 and 39. He says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, 
Neither angels nor principalities or powers, neither things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation. There is no separation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the grace of God that brings salvation to whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord. And we are more than conquerors through Christ because there's nothing in this world or in the spirit world that can separate us from God. Think about that. We have a connection. We have a communion. We have an intimacy. We have a right relationship with God totally because of Jesus that cannot be separated from anything in this world. Think about it. Even in natural death, you know what Paul says? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Even in death, there is no separation for those who believe in Jesus Christ. How good is that good news? Amen? So look with me in Romans chapter 8, verse 2. Let's bounce back to the top of that chapter. Verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin. And death. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Look at that next point. So the Holy Spirit, the spirit of life, frees us from the law of sin and death. So let's think about this for a second. Sin, which is a temporal separation, leads to death, which is an eternal separation from God. Think about what sin is. Sin in the natural realm. The word sin literally means to miss the mark. To come short of the glory of God. If, if the bullseye is the will of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God for your life, anything outside the bullseye is sin. It's missing the mark of what God intended for your life. And so the Bible tells us that sin creates this, this temporal separation. It separates us from the will of God, the purpose of God, the, the blessing of God, the favor of God being fulfilled in our lives. But the Bible also says that sin unrepented of, unchecked through the blood of Jesus, ultimately brings death. Because the Bible says, Romans 3.23, that the wages of sin, or Romans 3.23 says for all of sin, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So think about what does no condemnation mean for me and you as believers in Jesus Christ. No condemnation means that we are no longer slaves to sin and death. We are free. We're no longer slaves to sin and death. We are free from the power of sin and death. We are free to live the life that God has called us to live. So let me just let me challenge our thinking just a little bit this morning. How many of you recognize that as a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, that when you sin as a Christian, yes, that sin in your temporal life separates you in the sense of you're not doing the will of God, you're not living in the will of God, you're not pursuing the will of God. But how many of you know that sin in the life of a born-again believer doesn't separate them from God? As a matter of fact, sin in the life of a born-again believer causes God to draw closer to you than at any other time in your life. 
Let me give you a scripture. It's not on the screen, so for all you note takers, you want to write down Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. And as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? Well, apparently they didn't live in our culture today. Verse 8, if God, look at this, if God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and you are not really his children at all. So think about this. When a Christian sins, that sin doesn't separate you from God. That sin actually engages God in your life in a different way. So here's the illustration. Think about in the natural when your children are disobedient or rebellious. When your children do what they're not supposed to do. You know what happens around our house? We kind of do this. Come here. Come here. Come, come, come here. No, come here. Right? Now, let's flip the coin for this. When your kids are doing good, when your kids are doing great, when your kids are doing exactly what they're supposed to do, you cheer for them, you encourage them, you love them, you support them. But when they do wrong, you draw them near. Come here. You know why? Because you love them. And sin in the life of a believer does not separate you from God. Sin in the life of a believer actually causes God to draw closer to you because now you're going to come under the discipline of the Lord. Because God loves you, he will now draw near to you in a way that maybe you don't always like or enjoy. The Bible says discipline is unpleasant for the season, but it produces the fruit of righteousness and holiness in our life. Do you realize that in the Bible, not in the Bible, do you realize that in biblical times a shepherd, if a shepherd in biblical times had a sheep that continually wandered off and wandered off, they would draw them back and they would draw them back and they would draw them back. But if they had that one sheep that just kept wandering and wandering and wandering, the shepherd would actually break the legs of the sheep. Carry him on his shoulders everywhere he went. Until the sheep's legs were healed. And once the sheep's legs were healed and it was able to stand on itself, he would set the sheep down. And the sheep had become so accustomed to the presence of the shepherd that it never wandered again. That's the love of God. That's the love of God. God loves you so much. Just as in the natural, we discipline our children, not because we're trying to hurt them, but because we are trying to restore them to a right place of relationship. And God, in the life of a believer, will bring discipline and correction. Why? Because you are his child. So let me give you a word of warning today. If you can sin and there is no discipline from God, you are not a Christian. You're not a son. That's what the Bible said. I didn't say that. Hebrews chapter 12 says that if you can sin and there is no discipline, then you are illegitimate and not actually a son. You have a profession of faith, but you don't have a relationship with God because God disciplines all that are his because he loves us, because he cares about us. Sin in the life of an unbeliever separates them temporally from what God wants to do. And if they die in that sin, it separates them eternally from what God wants to do. And that is to save them and restore them and rescue them. Sin in the life of a believer 
invites the discipline of God, where God draws near to you as a father who wants to discipline you, to restore you to a right relationship with God. And let's just be honest. We all, we all come to church every Sunday, and we all look really holy. I mean, y'all look like you got it together 24-7, 365 days a year. But let's be honest, we don't. And if we're honest with ourselves, we have all, here's good news, we have all experienced the discipline of the Lord. We've experienced that correction, that direction, that hand of God upon our life that is drawing us back. How many know life works really good with Jesus and it doesn't work at all without him? (laughs) And all of a sudden things start falling apart in your life because you realize you're not walking with the one who died to set you free. So let's, let's look at that next point. So lost people, think about this. Jesus calls people that have not accepted him lost people. They're not evil people. They're not wicked people. They're not vile people. They're lost people. Now, there are wicked people out there, and there are vile people out there. But Jesus said, for a person that doesn't know me, they are lost. They're lost because they're separated from the Father. Think about it. When you lose your keys, what does that mean? They are separated from you. You don't know where they're at. They're not in your possession. And Jesus calls those that don't know him lost people. Why? Because they are separated from God. So lost people, think about this, sin because they are slaves to sin, right? When you got born again, you're no longer separated from God. You've now received the spirit of life that sets you free from the power of sin and death so you can walk in victory over sin. How many know as a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you don't have to live in sin? Come on, somebody. You can walk in victory, and we're going to see some powerful things about that today. So lost people sin because they're slaves of sin. And the sentence of death remains upon their lives. I've used this illustration many times. Think about our children. We've got, now we have five grandchildren. We have one on the way. And this is what I know about kids. Nobody teaches their kid how to lie, but they all lie. How in the world do those kids learn how to lie when when hopefully we're not lying to them and we're living a model Christian life and they're seeing us walk in truth? How is it that that kid know how to lie when he's never seen us lie? Because he's got a sin nature. He's separated from God, born in sin, conceived in sin, separated from the Lord. And sinners sin because they're slaves to sin. And Jesus came to redeem us from that sin. Can I get an amen? He came to restore us into right standing with God. He came so that we would not have to be condemned, that we could be reconciled to the Father and have a relationship with God. So, Lost people are condemned to live in sin and spend eternity separated from God unless they repent and turn to Jesus. There's only one way to experience salvation, and his name is Jesus. There's only one way for you to be born again, and his name is Jesus. You have to repent of your sin. That means, that means a, a change of mind that produces a change of direction. i got to be willing to turn from my sin and turn to Jesus and accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus explains it like this in John chapter 3, verse 17 through 21. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Why? Because the world was already condemned. Romans 5 says that because of Adam's sin, the whole world was condemned, separated from God, spiritually dead, and in isolation from the Father. 
So Jesus said, God didn't send the Son in the world to condemn the world. The world was already condemned. But he sent his Son into the world that he might save the world. That the world through him might be saved. Now look at verse 18. Jesus said, he who believes in him, the one that God sent, his only Son, is not condemned. If you believe in Jesus, you're not condemned. You're no longer separated from the Father. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus says you're not condemned because you commit horrible acts of sin and immorality. You're condemned because you die separated from God and refuse to accept Jesus as the remedy for your sin. Verse 19, and this is condemnation. Here it is. Why do people live condemned? Why do they live separated from God? Here, this is condemnation that light comes into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth or comes to the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Unless we repent and turn to Christ, we cannot be saved. But if we're willing to repent of our sin, turn from the darkness of our lives into the light of Christ, we can be born again. Spiritually made alive and reconnected to the Father, never to be separated again. There is therefore now no condemnation. People are condemned because they love darkness better than light. And let me just say this to you today. Anytime, anytime you hear somebody say or you feel like somebody is condemning you, you need to understand condemnation never comes from God. God never condemns us. He sent his son to save us from the condemnation that Adam's sin brought into the world. Condemnation is not from God. Condemnation comes because we love darkness more than light. When you look at the world out there and the world says, well, you know, the church is condemning me. Well, there may be some Christians that are condemning them, but the church as a whole, based on the Bible, is not condemning sinners. The church as a whole is trying to save sinners and reconcile them to a holy God. And the only reason any person lives under condemnation is because they love the darkness more than the light and they refuse to repent and believe in and follow Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. Look at that next point. So when a born-again believer sins, let's talk about this. When a born-again believer sins, he has to violate the law of the Spirit in order to violate the law of sin, which makes sin in the life of a believer a double offense. And I'm going to stop there right there. I want you to see something. The Holy Spirit, I've never, never connected these dots but the Holy Spirit began to show me. He said, think about it, Keith, what happens when a Christian, when a born-again believer sin? First of all, we understand that God doesn't condemn us, but the Holy Spirit does convict us. Amen? And we talked about it just a few weeks ago as we talked about conviction. Yes, he convicts us of sin, but the greatest conviction in the life of a believer is the conviction of righteousness. It's the conviction that we have to do what is right in the eyes of God. How many know that when you got born again, your born again spirit will do what pleases God every time, all the time? Your born-again spirit man will do what pleases God every time, all the time. The Holy Spirit in you, the Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. The Holy Spirit in you will do what pleases God every time, all the time. 
So for you to sin as a Christian, this is what we have to do. Number one, if I'm going to sin as a Christian, I have to grieve and quench the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is always prompting me and leading me to do what is right in the eyes of God. So if I'm going to sin, the first thing I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to say no to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And then the second thing I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to look at the law, the, word, the, law, the, the, law, the commandment of God, the law of God, and I'm going to have to say yes to doing something that in my heart I already know is wrong. I mean, let's just be honest. As a born-again Christian, when's the last time you sinned and you didn't know it was sin before you did it? Never. You knew it was sin before you did it. Before you lied, before you looked, before you took the drink, before you compromised, before you covered something up, before you hid that thing, you knew it was wrong before you ever did it. So think about this for a second. So for me as a Christian to sin, I have to grieve and quench the Holy Spirit who's always leading me to do the right thing. And then I have to look at the wrong thing and I have to make a willful choice to do the wrong thing in spite of what I know God is calling me to do. I just committed a double offense. I had to cross the law of the Spirit and I had to cross the law of God in order to indulge in sinful behavior, which, by the way, doesn't ever pay off anyway. <laughs> Let's just be honest. The end result is still death. Praise God it's not eternal death. Praise God it doesn't separate us from our relationship with God. But it does disconnect us from the very thing God's wanting to do in our life, which is to bless us, prosper us, and enable us to be a light in the darkness and be a witness to other people. So look at the last part of this statement. So no condemnation, think about this, means that righteousness actually comes easier than sinfulness. It is easier for me as a Christian to do what is right in the eyes of God than it is for me as a Christian to commit sin. Because what do I have to do what, to do what is right in the eyes of God? All I have to do is say yes to the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 says, He who walks in the Spirit will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The only thing I have to do to live the life God has called me to live is live with a yes and a submitted heart to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. But if I'm going to sin, I've got to now say no to the Holy Spirit. I've got to grieve his heart. I've got to quench his spirit. I've got to look at what I know to be wrong and say I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's a lot harder than just saying yes. Now I want you to look at this last point right here. I want you to see this. Because this is, this is a paradigm shift in our minds. A huge paradigm shift. We have believed the lie. Listen to me. While we, I mean the church, we have believed the lie that it is easier to live in sin than it is to live righteously. I mean, just listen to Christians talk. I hear it all the time. Pastor Keith, it's just so hard. It's just so hard, man. It's just, it's just so easy to go back to my old ways. It's just so easy to fall back into those things. It's just so easy. You know, it just seems like sin just is so easy. That is a lie from the pit of hell. If you are a born-again believer, the easy thing is righteousness. The hard thing is sinfulness. And if we're not careful, we believe that lie. 
We believe that lie that it's easier to live in sin. It's easier to cuss than it is to not cuss. It's easier to drink than it is to not drink. It's easier to look at things I'm not supposed to look at than to not look at. It's easier to live my old life than it is to live the new life that Jesus Christ died to give me. So think about this for a minute. So does that mean, if it's easier to live in sin than it is to live righteousness, does that mean that the lust of your flesh, which is temporal, is more powerful than the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead who lives in you? Is that what we're saying? The lust of my flesh, this body which is going to die, has more power than the Holy Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying it's easier to follow my flesh than it is to follow my spirit because the flesh is stronger. No, 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 no. That's a lie. If you're a born-again believer, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. The one that raised Christ from the dead. And greater is he that lives in you than he that lives in the world. See, the devil has fed us a lie, and we believed it. We've just believed the lie that it's easier. It's just easier to live in sin. It's so hard to follow Jesus, Pastor Keith. I can't tell you how many times I hear, it's so hard to stop doing this. It's so hard to get free from this. It's so hard. And I understand the struggle's real. I'm not saying the struggle's not real. I'm just saying there's a lie that is rooted in that mindset that is keeping us in bondage. We are bound because we believe the lie that it's hard to follow Jesus and it's easy to live in sin. What a piece of crock. <laughs> garbage. That is garbage from the pit of hell. You mean to tell me? You mean to tell me that the temptation of this world has more power than the blood of Jesus? Not on any day, not on any day does the lusts of this flesh and the things of this world have more power and authority in the life of a believer than the blood of Jesus and the mighty anointing of the Holy Spirit. Listen, listen to the scripture, Proverbs 13, verse 15. It says, good understanding gives favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. You know what's hard? Living in sin. The way of transgressors is hard. You know what's hard? Living in rebellion against God. It's hard. It's hard for you to hold on to bitterness. It's hard for you to hold on to resentment. It's hard for you to walk in perversion. It's hard for you to get drunk every night. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. Not only is it hard because you're a Christian and you're having to violate the Holy Spirit, you're having to cross lines in your heart you know are already wrong, but it brings grief and sorrow and pain and regret and guilt and shame into your life. And it's hard. But look what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 12, excuse me, 11. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is what? And my burden is what? You know what's easy? Following Jesus. The easiest thing you can do every day is to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. And the challenge, the challenge, listen to me, the challenge that we have is not in the, in the reality of who has the greater authority. There is no doubt in this room 
that God's presence and power and blood has greater authority over our lives than the things of this world. The question is not who has the authority. The question is what do you believe? Because if you believe the lie that it's hard to follow Jesus and it's easy to continue in sin, then you're going to continue to struggle to follow Jesus and you're going to continue to live in sin. You're going to continue to compromise, even though you don't enjoy it, even though you're miserable, even though you regret it, even though you're shameful, even though you're embarrassed. You'll continue to live that life. You know why? Because if you believe a lie, you live a lie. And Jesus brought truth. He wants to set us free. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And when Jesus talks about, listen to me, when Jesus talks about, I, I can just hear somebody think, well, Keith, what about where Jesus said that, that the straight narrows the path and difficult is the way that leads to life? That's right. It's difficult. You know what's difficult? Is that when you begin to follow Jesus, we've been talking about this for two months, you begin to live countercultural to the world. And now there is resistance. There's persecution and there's tribulation. But that's not the hard thing. The hard thing is not following Jesus. That's the easy thing. We just understand that when I follow him, the world is going to kick back and push back and fight back against the righteousness of God in my life. That's what's difficult. It's the world's response. It's not following Jesus that's hard. The difficulty comes from resistance, not from obedience. And when I just learned to say yes, all of a sudden, man, there's such victory. We are well able, guys. We are well able to live the life God's called us to live. We are well able to do this thing called Christianity. We're not living at a disadvantage. You are well equipped. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I want us to stand to our feet this morning. We'll let our prayer teams come. We're going to go into a final song of worship. The song is called No Longer Slaves. How many of you realize today that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus? And you're no longer a slave to sin. You're a son or a daughter of God. No longer condemned. No longer separated. We've been reconciled to the Father. And I just want to challenge you today. Maybe, maybe you're living in sin right now. Maybe there's an area in your life and you know that, man, you're missing the mark of God and, and there, you, you've been crossing this line you knew you shouldn't have crossed. And today you just want to repent. Let me tell you something. God hadn't left you. The fact that you're feeling that conviction, the fact that you want to change is evidence that God is at work in your life. That's good news. And Jesus is calling you just, just to come back. Come on, don't, don't stand at a distance. Don't live, don't live in that place that's short of the glory because my grace is greater. My blood is greater. My spirit is greater. And he's inviting you to come back to him. So maybe that's you this morning. Maybe, maybe you just need to return to the Lord. Maybe you just need to return to God. You know you're a Christian. You know you're saved. But you also know there's some things in your life and you want to break those things today. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you believe that lie. It's just so hard to follow Jesus, and it just seems so easy to live in sin. What a lie from the pit of hell. Maybe this morning you just need to renounce that. I tell you what, why don't we do this? Let's just bow our heads for a second. And if that's you, you say, Pastor Keith, you know what? I realize I believe that lie. Maybe not fully, but I recognize there's some areas in my life 
where I believe that lie. Today, I want to break that off my life. I just want you just to raise your hand. Today, I want to break that lie. Hands are going up all over this building right now. I just want to break that lie. I want to break that lie. We're going to pray together right now. I just want everybody out loud. We're going to say this prayer together. We're going to break this, and we're going to go into this final song of worship. The altar's open, but let's say it together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie of the enemy that it's easier to live in sin than to live in righteousness. I renounce and break that lie. And I declare the truth of Jesus Christ over my heart and life today. Jesus' yoke is easy and His burden is light. I choose to follow Him. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Altar's open. Praise the Lord. If you need prayer, you come. Let's sing. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no Come on, church, sing that out. No longer a slave. I am a child of God.
between you and God. You were created for intimacy. You were created to be his child. You were created to walk in fellowship with him. And one man's sin brought separation, but Jesus' death and resurrection brought life and reconciliation. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor Keith, I want to be born again today. I want to come out from under the condemnation of my sin, and I want to turn to Jesus and follow him. Right now, just slip your hand up across this building. Just raise your hand, a simple act of faith today, right now. As hands are going up, this is your moment. Just raise your hand, a simple act of faith. Simple act of faith. As you raise your hand, our ushers are going to come. They're going to slip a little packet in your hand. We're going to help you take that next step. We're about to pray. But if that's you today, Pastor Keith, I want to be born again. I want to come out of that condemnation of sin, and I want to enter in to the forgiveness and life of Jesus. So right now, we're about to pray. If you're watching online, maybe you raised your hand at home this morning. I want to say we love you. We're glad you're here today. And today, we're going to pray this prayer. So all of us in the room, let's say it together. Let's repeat it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again on the third day. I confess my sin. I repent of my sin. And I turn to Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I want to be born again. I want to be your child, God. I receive you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. The Bible says if you pray that prayer from your heart, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus that you'll be saved, we love you. On the front of that packet you got, there's a little card. We love to follow up with you and help you take those next steps in following the Lord. Let me give you real quick before we dismiss today. Tonight at 5 o'clock, of course, is our movie night. We want you to come back and be a part of this. It'll be a great night together. Popcorn, drinks, and good stuff, good fellowship. Also want to remind all the men, the Super Bowl party is in just a couple weeks. You can register out the doors to my left at our Band of Brothers booth. If you've not signed up for our starting point class, if you're new to Liberty and you want to get connected, that's next Sunday. You can do that on the connection card. You can do that on our Liberty Church app. You can scan the QR code to get there. We'd love to see you next Sunday. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great day in the Lord. I hear your invitation.